And so I'm probably worth more dead to my wife than I am alive right now. Hey guys, welcome back to Personal Finance from the Hilltop. I'm your host, Kyle Hill. On today's episode, we have a special guest with us, Mr. Andy Flattery of Simple Wealth Planning. It's a firm here in the Kansas City area. Just a little bit about Andy. Andy is a certified financial planner and the owner of Simple Wealth Planning. He specializes in advising young and affluent families in the earlier stages of the wealth building process. In addition, Andy also has his life insurance license. So I thought it was a great opportunity to have him on the podcast to discuss life insurance and the things to consider when thinking about getting life insurance. I'll admit, while buying life insurance isn't an exciting thing to think about, it's certainly a part of the adulting process that we need that we all need to consider and establish if you have a need for it. And, you know, I'll let you in on a little secret. Not everyone needs life insurance, in my opinion. Um, But if you do, you should get it. My hope was to have this episode out during the month of September, because September is Life Insurance Awareness Month. But I had a few little things slow me down. And most notably, getting in a car accident. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, we'll we'll save that for a future episode, I guess. But uh, not to worry. Everyone is okay. We were rear-ended on the way home from daycare. So uh, it was an adventure for my boys, to say the least. So, um, But again, it, uh, it might make for a good future episode. So stay tuned. And just before we dive into our interview with Andy, I need to remind you that this is for educational purposes only. It's our opinions um, and uh, not meant to be taken as advice because we're not your financial advisor. However, we could be if uh, we did our proper due diligence and evaluated your personal situation. The best way to get that process started is to schedule a call with either one of us. You can do so by going to our websites located in the show notes. And with that, here's my interview with Andy. And welcome to our guest today, Mr. Andy Flattery. How are you today, sir? Kyle, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good. Look good. Uh, glad to have you on the show. It's a, it's a pleasure. Um, you had me on your show with uh, four other great local advisors, and so uh, figured I uh, need to get you on my show. So um you you have a a great show i love it by the way i love your catchy uh intro slash disclaimer (laughs) thanks man yeah if you've listened to the podcast a couple of times you notice i do a goofy disclaimer and and the secret that's not such a secret is that i I like to kind of goof around on the guitar and play music and so it's a little bit of a, a way for me to both kind of poke fun at the compliance disclosures that we have to do in the regulated financial advice space um, and also kind of like work out some of these creative impulses that I have. So thanks, man. It's a little goofy, but I'm having a good time with it. No, I, I think it's, uh, I think people love it. I do. It's always, <laughs> it's always what's this week going to be. Cause wasn't uh, <laughs> the other week uh, Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Right. Right. I put, I put in, I, I like to put in these little um, 
kind of like little nuggets, these little Easter eggs. And uh, last week I had a little Backstreet Boys Easter egg in there as well too. So thanks for that. Yeah, the the podcast is called The Reformed Financial Advisor. As you alluded to, um, I, I run a solo practice like you do. So it's really important for me to kind of have other other friends in crime that are going through this business together. And so I'm kind of using the podcast as a way to connect with other people like you and have other experts on the show that I can learn from and that I can, um, and that I can bring to my audience as well too, since I don't have, you know, a big firm with experts in all these different areas. Yeah. 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 Um, well, we'll get to the podcast a little more here in a second, but, uh, go ahead and tell the listeners about yourself. Cool. My name's Andy. I am uh, sitting in my home office in Riverside, Missouri right now, and um, I'm a certified financial planner, husband to one, father of one and one on the way. Uh, it'll be two boys, actually. Our, our, our little boys is going to be due in December. And uh, I run a financial advice practice called Simple Wealth Planning out of my house and out of the iWorks co-working space in North Kansas City. Been doing that for, gosh, two years now and uh, worked at various financial firms for about eight years before that. So um, kind of been in the business for a few years now, but still feel like I'm learning new things every day. And, uh, you know, one of the dirty little secrets, we call ourselves financial advisors, but, you know, the reality is a lot of times we don't have all the answers. And um, I don't know if we're always willing to admit that, but it's definitely true. But it's also a profession where it's intellectually engaging. Um, I like learning new things every day. And I like um, kind of helping my clients learn what their goals are and learn how to reach those goals. So it's, uh, it's a great job, man. Well, awesome. Yeah, the financial advisor title is an interesting one. And I think uh, we might have to do a podcast on that at another time just to kind of dive into For sure. what does that mean? You know, there's financial advisor, financial planner. Um, do you hold yourself out as a, a financial planner or financial advisor or do you intermingle the two? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I totally agree. Um, I, I use the term financial advisor just because that is the term that is most um, yeah. recognizable. And so I guess I'm coming from this place where we don't have um, terms that are rock solid. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been a lot that's said about like trying to make the financial planning profession an actual profession. And that's been a journey that I think is still in process. So the reason why I use financial advisor is just because that's the term that people are familiar with. Yeah. Um, and we recognize that that means different things to different people. But as you kind of point out, um, you know, a lot of people can hold themselves out as one of these various titles, whether it's financial advisor, financial consultant, um, financial planner. Interestingly, nobody's calling themselves a stockbroker anymore, which I think is interesting. <laughs> that one, or even life insurance agent to, for that to that point. And maybe it, maybe it would be more. Maybe it would be better. It'd be better for people if we just went back to the um, kind of descriptive titles of stockbroker life insurance agent, um, yeah, accountants, financial planner. I think those are useful, but we, we you know, we, we, the way that uh, financial services has become much more complicated, um, these titles have become more complicated. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, I guess my question would be, what do you have to hide? Why do you need to disguise yourself as something that 
you're not, you know, um, I don't know. And again, that another podcast, another time. So, but anywho, uh, again, uh, happy to have you on and, um, glad we connected. So let's, uh, before we get into our topic today, um, my ever changing lightning round that went to five minutes of fluff that keeps going over five minutes. So I think we're going to just call it 15 minutes of fluff. Um, kind of a goofy name, but, uh, probably appropriate <laughs> so for my ability to ramble on. So um, 15 minutes fluff. All right. So let's go. What is your favorite place to eat? My wife and I have solidified this. Um, I have been living in the Northland of Kansas, the Kansas city area. If you're not from Kansas city, it's the area kind of North of the, of the river, obviously. Um, and uh, it's probably, I don't know, for you and I that are Northlanders, like we love it here, but yeah. uh, for, for a lot of the kind of 20 and 30 somethings that set up families in Kansas City, it's a little unique. Everyone lives down South. But anyway, we found our favorite place. It's here in the Northland and uh, it's like a, um, I think it's like a Lebanese place, but it's kind of a Greek, a Greek place as well called Queens Suites and Bakeries in North KC. Huh. Wonderful mom and pop um, restaurant. Everything is made from scratch. And they, Kyle, they, they create like these big um, platters of like this Greek food or Lebanese food or whatever you want to call it. You kind of have to try it out to, to understand what I'm talking about. Okay. But it's like these wonderful meats, um, pita breads, hummus, all of that sort of stuff. And during our kind of quarantine lockdown period, they were doing delivery service and we were ordering that pretty often. So <laughs> it's uh yeah, Queens uh, sweets and bakery in, in, I said, did I say North Kansas city? I think it's yeah. in Kansas city, but it's on North Oak. Okay. Okay. What's your answer by the way? So um, yeah, that's uh very unique. I, I, um, I was just going to say, I don't like to eat out with the hooligans, AKA the kids. We did so last night and I was telling them to sit down in their, uh, in their booth the entire time. Um, my son wanted to peek over and see who was next to us. Where did you go? We went to uh, red door grill. Oh um, yeah. So they, they have an, a location up in the Northland now. Oh, there. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's up by Liberty that up by that price chopper off. I think it's two ninety one, but. Um, great place. We went there for my son turned three. My youngest son turned three yesterday. Um, we had one last Saturday turn five. Then we've got a three year old. So you're about to experience what I'm experiencing. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't like eating out with the hooligans. Um, and so I was just going to say Chipotle. So yeah, I love uh, just nice big burrito. It's heaven to me, and I feel like I uh, don't need to eat for another day after I have one. It's a brick of heaven is what I call yeah, it. Yeah, I love it, man. That's great. So uh, next question, favorite sport? To play or to watch, or is it open-ended? Ooh, ooh, good question. Um, we can You can do both. How about that? When I was in high school, um, I think my favorite sport to play was basketball. Okay. But I was like – I was like the scrub scrub reserve, maybe like the eighth or ninth guy off the bench. Um, so I, I wasn't a great basketball player in high school. Maybe got a little bit better in college playing a bunch of pickup. 
but my best sport was probably track and field. Um, just because that was the sport that, you know, a head case like me could go out and just run as, run as hard as you can. And that's how you're successful. You run hard and <laughs> eventually you get good at it. Um, you know, here in my, uh, in my older years, I'm, I'm 35. So I still have a few years left, hopefully, but, uh, I'm like rec sports guy now. So, you know, we play a lot of sand volleyball, or at least I, I should say we used to when people used to actually play sports with each other. And, uh, we, my wife and I find it's a wonderful co-ed sport to play sand volleyball together. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, you, in, are you into, uh, softball at all? For sure, man. Yeah, for sure. It's uh yeah, slow pitch softball, flag football. Um, I kind of play the whole, um, the whole variety of like old guy rec sports. Um, so yeah, even play some hoops still as well too, for sure. Okay. Okay. So, um, we'll have to talk about that offline here. So I've always been wanting to get a, uh, um, co-ed softball team together or something like that. I'm in. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but, uh, um, and did you say your, your favorite sport to watch? Yeah, I grew up a Minnesota twins fan. So, um, grew up in the eighties and early nineties under the, um, during the area era of Kirby Puckett, if you remember him at all. So yeah. I was a big Kirby Puckett fan for years, vaguely remember their early world series win in, uh, well, I, I don't remember the, the first one in 86, but they, I believe they won it again in 91. And uh, it was 91 or 92. And I do remember that one. And then they were terrible for a number of years, got good again in the 2000s, were bad again in the 2010s. And actually this year, um, the Twins might be able to um, win the AL Central this week. So okay, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So I now that I live in Kansas City, the, the, the Royals are kind of my second favorite AL Central team. Yeah. <laughs> and the kind of ideal situation. Well, of course I wish the Royals were, were better. It was so much fun when they made their runs. Um, yeah. but the nice thing about them being terrible is that I was able to get some cheap tickets to the twins games over the last few years. Yeah. 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 We, uh, we won the world series back in 2015. Yeah, I know, man. I used to think that that like 1991 was not that long ago. And now you think about it and you're like, Oh my God, that was 30 years. And this, this is one of those droughts that all of a sudden is, uh, you know, listed up there with like the, uh, you know, the, the Cleveland, um, Cleveland Indians and stuff like that. These teams that haven't won a championship in decades. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I was looking at my, by the way, did you see Gordo retired? I, I did. I got the I got the push notification that he's retiring yeah. uh, into this season. It's too bad that that happened this year. I yeah. wish he would have been able to do that in front of a crowd. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, good dude. So, um, it'd be interesting to see what he does after after baseball. So, yeah, no. Uh, my my wife has been on me about getting rid of my old baseball, football, basketball card collection. <laughs> um, I pulled them out the other day and was looking at them and um, it's like, you know, mid nineties and like Charles Barkley and Kevin Johnson. I was a big Suns fan for some reason, Charles Barkley, Kevin Johnson, you know, Scotty Pippen, all those guys. I'm like, this was a long time ago. Um, yeah. makes me feel old, but we should look into that. Um, is there, has there been a, a new boom in sports cards? 
I keep hearing some of the collectibles guys talk about these as an investment again, which I thought kind of went out of fashion in the '90s, but it sounds like it's coming back. So you might want to you might want to get out the Beckett and uh, and find out what these things are worth again. That's what I keep telling my wife. I, I, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, I don't know if you follow him at all, but he's sure. big on sports cards being a thing, and so I keep telling her like. Gary V says these are a thing, so don't throw them away just yet. There's some Michael Jordans mixed in there. I mean, come on. So um, I'm hiding them around the house so she can't get rid of them. But don't tell her. I don't think she listens, so we don't have to worry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, favorite sport. My favorite sports, um, so football, playing and watching is one of my favorite things. There's nothing better than getting out and throwing the football around. That's as a kid, that was my favorite thing to do. We played street ball till it was dark out. I mean, that was my favorite thing to do, but, uh, um, my family is a big baseball. We like watching baseball. Um, I was never competitive in baseball. I played city league for a few years, but, um, my big thing was wrestling. Um, I did wrestling from, uh, when I was six years old, all the way through high school and um, did some intramurals in college. And um, I hear that's kind of a big thing up in Iowa. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Iowa is, uh, it's kind of the stomping ground for high school wrestling. So yeah. Home of Dan Gable, home of Kale Sanderson, who uh, was a cyclone like myself. So um, yeah, yeah, I wasn't a wrestler, but definitely grew up around that whole wrestling culture for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Iowa Hawkeyes, um, perennial, you know, top, top five team lately. They've, it's been kind of them and Penn state is going back and forth for, for the top spot. And as you said, Kale Sanderson went to Iowa state. He was the only four time undefeated NCAA champion. I'll tell you a quick story about that. So I was a walk on, on the track team, my freshman year at Iowa state. So this would have been 2003 Okay. Yeah. And uh, I was just, you know, I was again, I was like a scrub on this team that included like future Olympians, um, just like some amazing athletes. And I was the walk on. And we used to sh- we used to have a track locker room that shared a shower with the um, with the wrestling team. And okay. this would have been around the time I think. Kale had graduated at that time. I call him Kale. I, I don't know him, but Kale Sanderson had graduated at the time. He was still like on the uh, the Cyclone staff as a coach, or maybe he was training or something like that. But I remember one time I showered right next to Kale Sanderson, <laughs> and I was so nervous, man. I was like, I hope he doesn't see that I'm like sneaking peeks at him in the shower. Oh, <laughs> uh, your claim to fame. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that was one yeah. of the one of the few highlights of my uh, track career at Iowa State. <laughs> you didn't reach over for an autograph, did you? <laughs> no, it, yeah, it was one of those awkward situations. What do you do in a situation like that? The Hall, Hall of Fame wrestler showering next to you. Yeah, and it's as close as you'll ever get to him in your entire life. Yeah, no, he's so he he went on to coach Iowa State, and then um, right, like. I don't know, eight to 10 years ago, he uh, went over and took the Penn state head coaching job and has turned them. um, They were always pretty good, but he's turned them into a powerhouse. Um, So it's, yeah, but all right. So uh, um, you mentioned you have 
one boy and one on the way. I didn't know if we'd announced if it was a boy or a girl yet. So, uh, oh boy, yeah, thanks. But uh, did your parents ever tell you what your girl name would have been if, if I was a I was a Megan, a Megan? Yeah. What, okay. what about you? I had to text my mom about this and ask. So thanks, mom, because um, I couldn't remember. I know you know she tells me the same stories over and over, um, but I couldn't remember this one. Nina. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm. I don't know if I look like a Nina. Nina. Yeah, you're better, Kyle. That's a great question, by the way, Kyle. No one's ever asked me that. I'm the oldest of five, and I've got three brothers, and a, my sister is the youngest. And our parents just used that girl name for all of us. So I was supposed to be a Megan, and my brother is supposed to be Megan, so on and so forth. And now my sister, who was the fifth child, her name is Megan. So. So she got the hand-me-down name. We finally have a Megan in the family. Yeah, that's right. Well, cool. Yeah. No, I, I was just curious, you know, um, you mentioned you have a, a little boy on the way. If you haven't picked out a name yet, Kyle's a pretty good, strong name. I'm just throwing that out there for you. We'll put that into consideration. <laughs> yeah, put, put that on the list. So I was actually named after a uh, soap opera uh, character. So, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kyle Sampson on Guiding Light. My mom said he was a very handsome man. So I'm like, well, all right. It could be worse, Kyle. Yeah. Yeah, there are. So, um, so moving on here. So this kind of goes with our theme today. What is your most memorable life threatening event? If you have one. What is my most memorable life threatening event? I might have to think about that. Do you have an answer to this question? You know, I did some thinking about it and I, you know, there's probably some that I can't remember. I did have a good time in college. So, um, but, uh, really I've been pretty lucky. And the only thing I can really think about was one summer when I was in high school, I was up in Fargo, 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 North Dakota, um, at a, uh, uh, national wrestling tournament and we were staying in the dorms there and I, I got sick and they, called the um, EMS and they rushed me to the hospital and in an ambulance. And um, turns out it was like a viral infection, but I was like convulsing in the bed, sweating. And I don't know, but honestly they tested me for meningitis and they did a spinal tap, which is in my experience has been one of the worst things ever. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not, I'm not going to put that next to childbirth or something like that. I can't speak to that. So, but uh, I, for like two weeks, I couldn't sit up out of bed or I would get like this just migraine of a headache. It was, it was um, so, but yeah, I, I've been pretty lucky. And so that's the best thing I can come up with. The only thing, the only thing I can think of is I am, I, okay, I'll just have to say this. I'm a bad driver okay. <laughs> or maybe I'm better than I used to be, but Definitely when I was a teenager, I had the perfect combination of not knowing how to drive a stick shift on ice, especially having a lot of ego and, um, and a lot of confidence. And that was a really bad combination. I got in something like three car accidents between the ages of like 16 and, and 18, oh, wow. something like that. Um, I, yeah, I drove around this kind of piece of junk Chevy S10 that was a stick shift. And I was 
kind of reckless with it, kind of a cocky teenage boy. Um, and I remember one time my brother and I were late at night driving around after a football game on the ice, um, like trying to do like three sixties in the truck. And one time we ended up like ramming up against the curb and like plowing through the lawn of our high school. Um, it's just so stupid. We were laugh. We were laughing. We thought it was hilarious. But in, in retrospect, I think about that version of me and how reckless I was. Yeah. Uh, and there must've been a, one of those must've been a near death experience. And I probably just laughed it off. So, you know, luckily now, like I'm, I'm more humble. I'm a, hopefully a little bit more mature, but um, just makes me realize how, uh, how, you know, well, I, for one thing, it makes me realize how dumb teenage boys are. I think that's a yeah. big lesson there. Yeah, no, I agree. I was the same way. Um, so I, I, I think uh, we think we're invincible right. at that age and we, you know, do reckless things. And I guess maybe we should be talking about auto insurance instead of life insurance. I don't know. But uh, um, but I, I think it's um, a good segue and I'll get into that. But first, let's let's hit the last song. I always ask this: What would your walk-up song be? That's another great question. Um, I've done this before. I feel like I've changed my answer a lot, but I think um, what I would have to say is the um, that blues track on the White Stripes record. That's like Ball and Biscuit. Are you familiar with that one at all? Um, so I've heard it. Um, okay, so White Stripes most famously is their um, Seven Nation Army song. Yeah, yeah, going to Wichita. And yeah, yeah. So you hear that at a lot of games. They have a my favorite song of theirs is, uh, and you hear it like in a lot of movies because it's like a great blues rock track. But it's called Ball and Biscuit. It's like nine minutes of like Jack White just shredding, and um, I think it's on their Elephant record. But uh, it's. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. I think it's the beginning of that uh, social network movie, if you remember that at all. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's a song you've probably heard, but it wasn't one of their big hits like Seven Nation Army or something like that. But yeah, great song, Ball and Biscuit by the White Stripes. What about you? I'll check it out. So, um, yeah, my changes by the episode at least. So uh, I think today it would be Can't Stop the Feeling by Justin. Nice. It's in the Trolls movie. And so during COVID, we do a lot of dance parties at our house with our kids. And it's a big hit. <laughs> awesome. It's a big hit. Um, and so we, we like to put that on YouTube and yeah. get the kids dancing. So so either that or um, Sexy Back by JT. So when I was thinking about Can't Stop Feeling, it made me think about Sexy Back. And speaking of Wichita, going to Wichita, um, there was this awesome cover band when I was living in Wichita and they would do just a complete mix of genres. They would go from singing sexy back to doing, um, uh, shoot what, like nine inch nails. Um, I mean, just like completely just totally mixing it up and it was great. And uh, they were at this little bar. I think it was called The Anchor. I texted my buddy uh, Brad Puderbaugh because um, I remember he was there. But, uh, yeah, the band's name was called Seven Year Itch. Um, 
I miss those days, man. I miss those days when we could uh, we could go and listen to terrible cover bands or great cover bands sing "Sexy" back. Yeah, no, let's, I mean, let's hope we let's hope we live to see that again. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. So, um, well, cool, cool. So that's our. You can see why it's turned into five teen minutes of fluff. So, um, but I, I no, these are important questions that we need good answers to. So I like it, man. So, well, cool. I appreciate you being a good sport. Um, so yeah, that, that, uh, next to last question I was talking about, of near death experience. And, um, I think it's a good segue into our, our uh, topic for today and that's life insurance. And, um, I wanted to hit on life insurance because it's life insurance awareness month. Apparently the month of September is um, life insurance awareness month. And so it's an important thing we need to talk about. Um, and I, I think uh, with young kids, we feel like we're invisible, um, invincible, not invisible. Well, some think they're invisible, but um, we think we're invincible. And then, you know, I, I haven't had any, you know, near life, near death occurrences that I can think of, and we don't think it's going to happen to us. And so, but it's an important thing we need to have a conversation about. And so, um, I wanted to bring you on, uh, cause you're a great guy and, uh, and, uh, I've enjoyed getting to know you so far, but you also, in addition to being an advisor, you also are licensed um, to sell insurance. And so I figured you, you're a, a great, uh, uh, have a great depth of knowledge on this that, uh, you could share with us. And so I guess, first of all, talk about, you know, why we need life insurance in the first place. Sure. Yeah. I happen to work with a lot of young families in their thirties and forties. And because of that reason, like Kyle, this just, this is almost like one of the first questions that we end up talking about um, in conversations, because if you're a young family, um, you know, one of the questions I always like to ask is, well, what, what would you want to see happen with your family? If God forbid something were to happen to you and, and you were to leave your family without you around, right? Yeah. For whatever, for whatever reason, um, we can hope and pray that that never happens. And, you know, as, as men, we, we think we're invincible. So we might, um, we might reject that that's possible, but, but I always like to open, open up with that question. And, and usually, you know, the answer, um, is something that they maybe really never thought of, but hopefully there's something to do with like leaving a legacy of some sort, um, not only monetary, but, um, you know, passing on certain teachings to your children, um, helping your spouse understand, what your financial situation is. So, you know, she might not be left in a situation where she just doesn't know what's going on with the money. You see that a lot, especially with older folks. But, uh, but then also there's probably some sort of more than likely there's a significant um, financial challenge that your family would receive if you were gone. Um, yep. And there's all sorts of ways you could tackle this. You could talk about your future income. You could talk about, um, you know, the, the debts that you're leaving with, with your family, especially like something like a mortgage, um, even future goals that you might have for your children, like education. And so if you just kind of start with that question, 
and what would you like to see happen for your family if you if you were to go? Usually, you're going to come up with um, some sort of financial figure, and we can talk about how to how to calculate that figure. But I think at the bare minimum, you recognize that this is totally necessary, and so and so that's it. So like so that's kind of I think that's kind of the thesis of it. But I think maybe even more striking, Kyle, is just the stories that you hear. So. I'm very blessed. Like I, 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 uh, my, both my parents are still living, so I've never, I've never experienced this personally, Yeah. but I've been a financial planner for 10 years now. And, and I've seen enough examples of this that give me conviction that this topic is very important. So I did an event about a year ago with an estate planning attorney friend who was kind of doing the, um, the workshop on estate planning for young families. And so we had, you know, some families like myself with young kids that were going through similar situations, discussing some of these issues around things like life insurance and, and put, putting together kind of a basic estate plan when you have a family. And after that event, I had a friend of mine approach me and she said, this is so important. I'm really glad that you did this. When I was 16, I lost my mother. And three years later, I lost my father. And they did everything correctly. We had an estate plan in place. There was life insurance. My college was paid for. I was able to pay for a wedding. And I am so grateful that my parents had the foresight to do that. Yeah. Um, and so it's stories like these that really strike me. And then you also hear stories that are the exact opposite where, um, you know, God forbid someone that like I went to high school with a a buddy of mine whose father was in his forties. He was young, he was healthy and, um, kind of a handsome strapping guy. Well, we're talking about pickup basketball. He's running up and down on a pickup basketball court in his forties and he drops dead of a heart attack. Um, and so you hear about these stories and I don't remember my friend's financial circumstance, but if there's no life insurance, now you're depending on just the the family structure, the social structure, maybe in your area to pick up the pieces of when you're gone. And let's hope that that exists, right? Like that's an important thing that we have kind of that family structure around us. But, um, you know, the beautiful thing is you can, you can, for usually just a few bucks, you can acquire life insurance that um, really sets your family up in a way that's um, um, probably probably the best situation for your family. So that's kind of my conviction around it. I think if you know these stories, um, that's, that's all the, that's all the, the sales that really needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a conversation people like talking about. Right. I don't think we really like talking about our, uh, uh, mortality. Um, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's all going to happen to us at some point. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, I just want to live long enough to see my kids grow and have grandbabies and that sort of thing and bother my kids like they bother. Right. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to die, Kyle. Yes. Yes. It's a uh, certainty. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, unexpected things happen. Um, so like you were talking about my dad, he, he, uh, died of a heart attack, um, while he was driving a car when he was 53. So, um, you know, at that point I was in college, my sister was already, um, she's five years older than me. So mm. there, there wasn't dependents at home that were dependent on his income other than his, his wife. And, um, 
so there's a question of does did he really did he need insurance at that point in time so probably not or maybe minimal so um but uh definitely the way i like to you you do it beautifully by um invoking stories and uh, that's something you're a master of is you're a master storyteller um that's what i i dig about your podcast is you have this uncanny ability to tell a story and weave this financial knowledge into it um and bring it all all to a head and it's um I love your podcast, man. So wow, thank you. Um, Appreciate that, Cal. But uh, so everybody should go give it a listen. So especially the episode I was on. But I think people will be probably more interested in the Patrick Mahomes episode he did. So okay, that was that was pretty awesome. awesome. But uh, yeah, the, to replace your income if someone else is dependent on it is kind of how I like to boil it down to clients. And so um, you know, I have a. a couple single clients and I'm like, well, nobody's dependent on your income. You don't really need life insurance. I mean, um, what your big thing is long-term disability insurance. And so we have those conversations, but, um, but, but I think, uh, kind of you allude, alluded to it, you know, why people don't get life insurance. And, um, the two most common things I've heard of is that it's too expensive and it's too confusing. And so my hope was we could, you know, kind of break it down and, and simplify it for people um, to make it understandable. And and so really, like you said, it, the too expensive, there's a spectrum there. And if you go with what we, the approach that we take, it really doesn't cost you all that much. And we'll get into that in, in a minute. But um, maybe let's talk about the different types of life, life insurance that are out there. Um the cash value versus uh, no cash value or term insurance. Um, maybe talk about those real quick. Yeah, sure. Um, so there's a few different types of life insurance. The um, probably the most basic type of insurance that you see the most, that's probably the most commoditized here in, in, in today's world is term insurance. And so, you know, very simply with term insurance, you pay a, a simple premium. It could be a monthly premium or a quarterly premium or even an annual premium for a specific term. So it's 5, 10, 20, even 30 years. And throughout that, if it's level term insurance throughout that, that term, you pay one simple premium that never changes and they pay you one death or they, they pay your beneficiary one death benefit in case God forbid you were to die inside of that term. And so that's probably the most simple policy. Should we, should we keep moving on to the other ones? Yeah, no. The, and um, we'll circle back to it, but term is, yeah. is, you know, the type of policy that I recommend. And I think you recommend as well. Same. Yep. So I, I view insurance is it's not an investment. It's an expense. Um, it's not a, it's not a sexy thing. It's not bringing sexy back. Um, we don't it, we don't get in, excited about you know buying insurance, um, but it's a necessity. It's a it's a defense. Going back to the sports analogy, um, I look at our investments as those are our offense. Our insurance is our defense. It protects us, right? And not to inter, intertwine the two there. Well said. Totally agree, man. But yeah, maybe talk real quick about cash value policies, whole life, universal life, 
variable life and then what universal variable life or variable universal. Yeah. (laughs) I stay away from (laughs) So, so, so so now, so after term insurance, now we get into the other type of insurance life insurance, which is permanent insurance. And, um, there's a couple different types of permanent insurance that follow under this umbrella. So the first one would probably be whole life insurance. So this, this is a, a type of policy that covers you for the rest of, of your life, regardless of how long you may live. So, you know, instead of five, 10, 20 years, it's, it's as long as you live. Yeah. So you can have this policy for, you know, for much longer in some circumstances and some people do. So, so really as long as you keep paying the premiums, your beneficiaries will receive the death benefit no matter what. Um, so it will pay out as long as you keep paying the premiums. And um, the, the kind of other piece to this is that with the whole life insurance and these permanent policies in general, there will be a cash value to it. So in addition to the death benefit, you're going to be growing up, growing a cash value in these policies as well. So there's kind of two components to it where it's not just pure insurance anymore, but also insurance plus, plus a cash value. Um, and so you've got whole life. That's probably the most simple term type of term insurance. I'm sorry, permanent insurance. Yeah. And then you get into variable life. And so what variable life is, the way I kind of think about it is it's like a whole life policy, but it's a different kind of underlying investment. And so with whole life, you can kind of think of that as like a, for lack of a better term, a bond alternative where the kind of investments that are making your cash value grow are a simple bond alternative that's going to pay you an annual percentage. You know, 2%, per, 2%, 3%, yeah. 4%, depending on whatever the insurance company is able to get out of that cash value. With variable life, it's it's maybe to think about that is more of like a, um, for lack of a better term, like a mutual fund option inside of the cash value. So still permanent insurance, still um, a policy that you're going to want to pay premiums on for the rest of your life. But now the cash value is not a bond alternative. It's um, some sort of sub account that uh, is invested in the market in some way. And so that's why it's called variable insurance, because we know that the market can vary. Um, it's not going to pay you some sort of guaranteed percentage. It's going to be whatever the the underlying investments are going to do inside of that sub account. Did, did I say that um, in the best way possible, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. And then the the universal life is just offers you a little more flexibility, right, on your premiums. Yeah. So with universal life, um, just yeah, just think flexibility. So still a permanent policy. Um, in the same way that the whole life insurance and the variable life insurance is. But um, the rules can be created in a way that is more tailored to your situation. So you can, you know, depending on your situation, over the course of owning the policy, you might get to the point where you want to reduce the death benefit or increase the death benefit for various reasons. Um, You might want to change the premium amounts at various times for different reasons. And then the policy can kind of be restructured. And so that's kind of what the benefit of universal life is. But, uh, but yeah, those would be kind of the three main types of permanent insurance, the whole life, the variable life, and then the, the universal life. Yeah. And these are contracts. And so they are specific to the insurance company right. issuing them. So um, 
you know, they might vary policy to policy. Um, this is kind of just a general framework of how they work. If you really want to understand a specific policy, you have to dig into the contract and the details. So, and so I like to keep it simple, uh, kind of like simple wealth planning. Same. Totally. And so term, um, it's, uh, you know, I have, I have term, my wife has term and it's, you know, in case one, something happens to one of us that, um, we have, uh, the other one will receive a benefit and, uh, be able to, um, provide for the family in my absence or in my wife's absence. In our case, it's kind of etched out until our kids are, you know, 18 till they're adults and on their own. And um, yes, I said 18, they're not living in my basement. <laughs> and so um, I, th- I think there's a, a, the question of, do you need insurance your whole life? And, and I would say, if you follow our plan, you don't, you don't need life insurance your whole life. If, if you follow the plan that we make for you, um, generally speaking. So, um, and so just for example, um, I have a I have a 20 year term policy um, that was established when my my um, son was born, and it's for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. And so, I'm probably worth more dead to my wife than I am alive right now. <laughs> <laughs> same, same with me, man. Um, and so that was set up um, with the idea that that would that would provide for my wife for helping raise the kids, you know, provide an income, um, for the kids that she could live off of and supplement in my absence to help provide for childcare and and those sorts of things. And, um, as they get older, they need lessons. So, um, but, uh, my, my monthly premiums under $55 a month. And that's just because of, uh, and we can talk about this, the different, uh, um, the different uh, tiers or health categories that they have, but um, because of my family history, I'm in um, in, a, in a lower tier automatically due to my mm. heart attack. So, thanks a lot, Dad. <laughs> mm. But uh, so yeah, um, so mine's um, not the cheapest out there that there is. It can get much cheaper than than what I have, and that also includes, you know, a burial rider um, on my my kids. You know. You, uh, you can get a rider on the policy for generally, you know, five thousand, ten thousand dollars for burial expenses. For you know, I think mine's five extra bucks a month, so that's inclusive in that price. So, um, and it varies by person to person. So, but just to kind of give you a general idea of what that looks like, Kyle, can I, can I just point something out there? Yeah, that's you just pointed to something that um, I think um, I think is important in that. It's whenever we're talking about this insurance, it's, you know, it doesn't take too long to get super confused about it. And it really is a huge benefit if you're exploring life insurance to sit with someone that really understands your situation and it understands what the options are that are out there. Um, and so, you know, there's plenty of people that might get on some of these websites and I'm glad these exist. Yeah these websites where you can acquire life insurance on your own. I think that's good. Like I, I'm glad that, that that exists, but very simply like what you just said, you could buy a term life insurance policy that has a child, a child writer on it. And what that means is like what you just said, um, 
you know, if something were to happen to your children, God forbid, you, you know, you can, you, you get some money to bury them and that's a nice thing yeah. to have. And so if you're, if you're sitting with like an independent life insurance agent or a financial planner that understands life insurance, they're, they're going to be able to point out little things, little details to you that maybe you, you didn't consider because no one expects someone to understand all the various intricacies of these complex um, financial tools. So um, yeah, I agree. I think for young families, that's a nice little, a nice little um, rider that they, they can tack on to some of these term insurance policies. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and people are, I think some people out there are like, do I need life insurance on my kid? And it's, they don't produce an income, you know, unless they're like a child movie star or something. Um, it's they aren't uh, producing an income; they're taking your income. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, the rider is is generally what we talk about. Um, in God forbid, the instance something happens to him, I, I hope you know hope hope that doesn't. So, but it's always good to be prepared. So, um, so where uh, I guess let's talk about who needs it. You know, generally, just generally speaking, obviously it's specific to someone's circumstance, but um, you know, in, my, in my mind, the big one is when you have kids, minor children in the picture, when you have kids that are um, under the age of, you know, 18, uh, that are, you know, dependent on you producing an income to provide for them. You know, they're still in, our kids are in daycare, um, kids in grade school, that sort of thing, uh, where they rely on you, um, I think is, is the big thing. Um, maybe talk a little bit more, talk about that. Totally. Yeah. I think about it. Um, I think, I mean, this is for men and women, but I think especially for men, cause that's who I am. That's kind of who I understand. Um, I think we men really relate to this where we're like, okay, we're, we're the dad now, we're the father, like it's up to us to kind of get our house in order and kind of get things set up for your family. And uh, I'd like to think about this as like MacGyver. Do you remember MacGyver at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was, this is going to show my age, but I was a big MacGyver fan when I was a little kid. That was my favorite show. I think it was on before Monday Night Football or something like that. Okay. Yeah. But, but MacGyver always, he just, he, he was always ready for anything. You know, he had the duct tape and the pocket knife and no matter what situation would come up, like MacGyver would have the tools and he would kind of be prepared for whatever, whatever happened. And of course, MacGyver always got out of some pretty tight squeezes. Um, and so I think as, as dads, as fathers, that's who I am. And that's who I kind of speak to the most. That's kind of, that's what we want to do. We, we want to let our spouses know that they're set up and that, um, you know, th they're in kind of a, a place of security, which as you just pointed out for a few bucks a month, it's pretty easy to do that. Obviously not everyone can qualify for life insurance. So that's an issue, but, um, it's not just life insurance, but this is one of the, one of the ways that you can provide that security and you can, you can kind of be MacGyver for your spouse and for your children. Yeah. Yeah. I like that analogy. It's, I view it as loving your family. Um, one of the articles I was looking at earlier, it's uh, they say view it as love insurance. I'm like, okay, but it, it's, it's loving your family enough to take like care that. of them in the instance that you can't. Um, and uh, I don't need to go all Mike Gundy and say, be a man. <laughs> 
but uh but yeah that's um so but yeah the the big thing is with minor children involved um you know before we had kids we had small pol smaller policies um just in the instance something happened to one of us that you know we could pay off the mortgage or something but um and then again we could have just gone and sold the house so um but uh so i, I think that's the big one um is when kids are involved and uh i don't know uh if you want to dig into real quick like divorced parents i think that's a, an interesting scenario um you 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 probably don't want to leave your ex-spouse as the beneficiary of your life insurance policy to provide for your child yeah there's a there's a handful of kind of things to watch out for or things that um people make mistakes on and, and this is kind of another one where if you've got kind of a trusted advisor that knows to look out for these things that can be a huge help but but yeah one of these is just simply not having your, your beneficiary designations up to date um so so very simply if you have a beneficiary on your life insurance policy and i'm not an attorney so yeah. um you know take this for what it's worth but in most circumstances the beneficiary designation will will trump the will so like a lot of times people think if they have something set up in their will that's a certain way that's all they need to do well in reality, a lot of times the beneficiary designation will trump any other arrangements that you have set up. And so, you know, as you point out, like there's been court cases, for example, where a particular individual had his wife as a beneficiary on a policy and he dies, I'm sorry, she dies. And, um, I'm going to say this wrong, but, um, but, but, but they get divorced and he gets remarried. And then, and then I'm sorry, here, here it is. So he dies and she was actually able to still receive, the, the ex-wife was still able to receive the death benefit, even though they had been divorced for years. Yeah. And the reason for that is because his beneficiary designation wasn't up to date. Yeah. I don't know if he thought the will was going to trump it or if he just was too lazy to ever get around to it, or he didn't have a good independent life insurance agent that was on top of things. But um, so that, so that beneficiary designation is really important. Um, and so it's, it's stuff like divorce. It's stuff like, um, I mean, we could even get to like adding minors as beneficiaries, but there are a couple different ways that you can kind of mess this up. Um, it's just something to watch out for. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'd have to look at, but I, I think kind of the general idea you want to do is leave it to the child in a trust and then appoint a trustee, the, someone, you know, and trust that, um, is, is going to act, um, in the best interest of the child, um, and abide by your, what you would want to do. So, but that's kind of a deeper dive. And again, we're not attorneys and, um, so yeah, but just something to think about and consider. So it's typically, you know, and I know this varies, uh, for each individual situation, but typically, how much do you think people need in terms of life insurance? There's a couple of ways to do it, Kyle. And when we're talking about term life insurance in particular, if you're able to qualify, usually you're able to acquire it um, so inexpensively that the answer could just simply be a lot because <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. But there's kind of two, two schools of thought on this. 
um, the, the first school of thought is like the simple rule of thumb and what, and the rule of thumb could be something like 10 times income. Yeah. So like if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, for example, you might want to have about a million dollars in life insurance. And so that's kind of the simple way to do it. I think just as a starting point, like that's fine. Um, if you just want to start with that, you're, you are, um, you're already doing a wonderful thing by just setting that up. The, the other school of thought is actually doing what's called a needs-based analysis. Um, so there's a tool that I like to use that's actually free and everyone can just go check it out right now. It's, it's at lifehappens.org. Okay. And uh, it's just a simple needs-based calculator. And what this will do, well, this will do a little bit more of just a complex calculation of figuring out what your future um, income needs will be for your family, um, what debts are, are out there that you'd like to pay off? Are there like future, um, future wishes that you have for your children, such as college expenses? And you can actually calculate this using a needs calculator, and that will give you a more precise number than the simple 10 times income. But I think, I think for the purposes of this conversation, like both of those are perfectly, um, prudent solutions. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll have to put that resource in the show notes, but yeah, generally what, uh, um, kind of if you go the Dave Ramsey approach, he recommends 10 to 12 times your income. Okay. And the idea being that you invest it and get a decent rate of return. You can live off, off the income that it generates. Um, so, cause if you're thinking about, you make a hundred thousand dollars and you get a million dollar policy. And if you're drawing a hundred thousand dollars off of that, um, each year, that's only going to last me 10 years. Right. And if I right. do that when my kid's born, I've got 18 years. And so the idea being that you would invest that in, in, and get a decent rate of return and, and live off of the growth and, and the income that the, that that produces, um, to help extend the life of that, of, uh, of that, of that money. So, but yeah, it's like I said, it, it just is, you know, depends on your individual situation, but those are kind of good rules of thumb. So, but right. um, I know another question is kind of what about my policy that I have at work? And generally what I see with that is it's not adequate. It's usually one times your income. And, and if you're going to our rule of thumb, you need more than that. And, uh, they do, you do typically have the option to buy additional. Um, but the, the problem with that is it goes with your job. Um, I know after you separate from your job, they'll usually give you the option to continue um, to purchase on your own, um, but you're getting the group rate. And so um, maybe talk about that. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And I think, I think this is probably, um not uncommon. Like you might see someone that just assumes that since it's kind of part of their employee benefits package that they get um, a certain amount of life insurance, one to two times income, maybe the ability to buy a little bit of additional insurance on top of that. They think that that's maybe adequate. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would definitely think about that more as a perk than yeah. as like the, um, the kind of core solution here. And so let me, let me give you kind of some thoughts to this. My little sister, I mentioned Megan earlier, she's 21 years old. About a year ago, she had some cancer removed from her throat. And I'm yeah. forgetting the the type of cancer that she had. She's doing fine, by the way. Um, yeah. It was a successful surgery and all that. And uh, I think she's made a full recovery and, and she is going to make a full recovery. Yeah. But 
if Megan were to get married today, um, man, that's going to be a tough day. But if, if she were to get married today and start having kids, she would not probably not be able to qualify for life insurance. Now, maybe when the cancer has had, um, you know, if, if, if it's years of kind of being benign and it hasn't um, had any issues, she might be able to qualify down the road. Yeah. But, um, but the problem is she wouldn't be able to qualify today if she had a young family. And so what's nice about the group life insurance, you know, when, when Megan is going to get a job after college is that she's going to have it, right? She, it, it's not an issue. They're going to give it to everyone and she's going to have access to that. That's wonderful. But it would have been better for Megan if when she was 19 or 20 before this cancer, that she would have actually gone and tried to acquire a 20 or 30 year policy prior to that. Cause then when this sort of thing happens, it, the policy is in place. The life insurance company is going to pay out that benefit no, no matter what, um, even if you are later um, diagnosed with cancer. So that's kind of a perfect example of how this could be used. And so some people might be thinking, well, I'll just, I'll get another policy after I leave this employer. You don't know what your health situation will be at that time. Yeah. Um, and so you don't know, you know, your, your rates could go up. Of course, your rates go up the older you get anyway. Um, and so it's just something to consider that it's great that you have it, but more than likely you need something in addition to that group life insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you have a need, get something locked in now. Yep. You can always go get some more later. And that kind of gets into the cost and the different tiers. Um, so it's based on the individual's health, right? Right. It's based on your life. They have um, actuarial tables that project, you know, if you're in this health category, here's how long you typically um, have to live, the, the likelihood that you could die. And they factor that all into your pricing. And so they, ha they typically have these different tiers. The healthier you are um, with less family history of, of things like heart attacks and, and cancer, um, you know, generally speaking, your rate's going to be better. And so uh, generally I've seen there's preferred and standard, and then each one of those has a plus tier to it. So that what I've usually seen is there's kind of four different tiers. So preferred plus a preferred, a standard plus a standard. So your preferred plus, you're going to get the best rate then compared to the same, the same policy at a standard rate. Um, and as I said, I think I'm a standard plus, um, giving out too much information here on myself, but, um, and, and I, you know, pay under $55 a month for my policy and that includes a child rider on it. So, um, yeah, uh, my wife, uh, because she's a woman and, um, doesn't have a family history. Hers is more like around 30 bucks a month. So for the same face, face amount and she's younger than me. So, but, uh, so yeah, uh, simplified. Do you do much of that? For sure. Yeah. Um, we, we've been seeing this more and more. So I guess one of the kind of cool things about technology is that some of this process has actually been made a little bit easier of late. Um, so, so kind of historically what you, what you would do is you would fill out a life insurance application and you would truthfully kind of answer all the questions. And then what they, what they would do is most of the time they actually send a nurse probably out to your, your house or your office to actually do a, a bit of a, uh, a clinical analysis on your, um, your blood, your urine, stuff like that. 
And, and that would get taken back and then they would do an analysis on you and you would get approved at a, at a certain um, rating, like you just said, Kyle. Um, well, now actually a lot of that has been simplified where after you fill out the application and if you kind of ace that application and you have a very simple um, health history and, uh, and, you, and you answer all the questions correctly, they, they may just issue you that policy without the visit from the nurse okay. at all. And so um, that's kind of cool. So that's that's a new thing that I've seen more of the last couple of years with some of the carriers. Um, and uh, I think that's nice because that's, again, another one of these barriers that keeps people from getting life insurance in the first place is that um, you kind of have to do the the P test and the blood test and all that fun stuff. Yeah. No, I, um, real quick uh, along that line. So uh, when we when my wife and I had ours, our uh, health exams done. Uh-huh. Um, you mentioned they take your blood. And, uh, the first time we had someone come out, it was, she wasn't a nurse. I think she was a radiology tech and she, this was her side gig. And just to tell you how much of a wuss I am. So I, I don't like needles, but, uh, she stuck me twice. And I, I said after the, if she couldn't get me on the second time, I was done. I'm tapping out. My wife she stuck nine times trying to find her vein. Um, and I was just squirming watching it. And my wife is a trooper, a champ, and, uh, she still wasn't able to get it. And they had to send out a nurse and first uh-huh. time the nurse did it, she got it. So, but wow. I, I was like, I, no way could I have done that, but she tried her nine different times. And, um, yeah, men, men are w- wimps compared to women. Your wife, yeah. Your wife's a champ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, and I, I've heard the simplified, they generally take a more conservative approach. And so your, your rates might be a little higher. Is that right? Then if they evaluate you on an individual basis and do all the health screenings and, um, and I say all the health screenings, it's, you submit your application from my experience, you submitted an application, uh, you do a over the phone interview, they send someone out to draw blood get a urine test from you, ask you questions, and then they submit it to underwriting. And in a few weeks, you get your, your results back. Um, it's, you know, a couple weeks process. So, but uh, I don't know. Is that, is that something you've seen or have rates been pretty? I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right, um, Kyle. The only thing I would kind of add to that is that um, term life insurance is kind of a commodity. So as long as you've got like a great AM best rating, um, like their AM plus, a, sorry, A plus in terms of their AM best rating, meaning that you know that it's a solid, reputable company that's going to pay out death benefits. Um, that, you know, to me, like a lot of these companies are kind of the same now. Yeah. And so the, the cost is not all that different for some of these really basic cases where, where I think it's... Um, gets a little bit more interesting is if, is when people have like very specific healthcare situations. So like in the example of my sister where she had, um, you know, some cancer and down the road, she's, she might want to acquire some life insurance, or if it's the case where this, this is going to be a big one. Um, like if you're a pot smoker and, and you're, uh, and you're, uh, kind of, uh, you know, yeah, someone that's like the toke up every now and then. <laughs> 
there are actually are life insurance carriers that are like more amenable to that now. And so that is where you might want to get a little bit more creative, sit with the independent life insurance agent that understands like what kind of carriers you should be applying for. And that's where like the um, kind of simplified underwriting would probably not be the way to go. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So um, real quick, I know you need to cut out um, places to get life insurance. So when we got ours, we went through Xander, Xander Insurance. They're an independent broker. They're Dave Ramsey. Uh, Is that the Dave Ramsey guy? Yeah, Dave. Uh, um, Dave endorses them. Um, they're independent. They're based out of Nashville. They're able to work with people nationwide. Um, I know thing out there, Policy Genius. I've never used them. I hear about them a lot. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are. But uh, something I use for, for my clients, I've got an independent broker um, called LLIS that I'm able to go through. They work with advisors, yeah. so that it's been uh, very beneficial. Yeah, I, I, so I think that it's great that all those possibilities exist. Um, I think it just makes everybody better. Yeah. The technology gets better, and if ladder life is stealing business from the local independent agents, maybe the independent agents realize that they need to get get their their house in order as well too but um i still think here in kansas city there's still a lot of great independent agents that would do a good job so as you mentioned i still have my life insurance license which we use for some of these but um i also use just some of the guys here in town that just have an independent agency so what that means is that they're not tied to any particular carrier and they're able to kind of shop around which is what you want and so Brett Gone is a guy that we use on the Kansas side, and I think that's okay. um, his his firm. It's uh, Gone Gone and Company has been around for like eighty years, so it's one of these family businesses that's just been passed down through the generations. So he's a great guy, and then Ben Cohen, he's a principal over at Brush Creek Partners on the Missouri side, and uh, we've we've reached out to him and used him as well too. And both of those guys are like super thorough super knowledgeable. They're not trying to sling a product that you don't need. Um, and I think that's kind of what you should look for in these independent agents. Yeah. I'll have to check them out. So it's always good to know some local folks. So, uh, uh, but yeah, that's always for insurance. I always recommend go independent. Um, they're able to shop for you. Competition is good. Right. Um, when people are competing for your business, and so with those independent brokers, they're able to shop multiple different providers rather than, you know, one brand can only give you one brand's products. And so that's that's my problem with the uh, captive agents, you would call them, um, not to mention names, but uh, but yeah. So, um, well, awesome, man. I hope this helps anyone that's on the fence about life insurance, wants to know more, feel free to reach out to us. I'm happy to to, um, hear you out and see how we might be able to help you Um, because it it is a very important thing and just wanted to get this episode in um, before the end of the month because it is Life Insurance Awareness Month. Uh, It's, uh, you know, like I said, it's it's not the sexy topic we want to talk about, um, but it's definitely something um, you need, a tool in your tool belt that you need. It's uh, your defense for life that you need. Um, if people are dependent on your income. Agreed. So. And so with uh, with that, it was appropriate that you brought up sexy back earlier, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, 
we're, we're making finance sexy. <laughs> so Andy, it's been a pleasure, man. Um, where can the audience find you? Where can listen? Awesome. Find yeah. You? Um, thanks Kyle. Enjoyed this. I am, uh, I'm up in North KC, but you can find me online. Uh, Andy flattery on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active and I'm getting more active on Twitter. And, uh, and the podcast is called the reformed financial advisor. And you can, should be able to find that on just about any podcast player, but, uh, that's just been kind of a little fun outlet for me to tell some Kansas city stories, to chat with guys like you, Kyle, and to kind of share some of my, um, insights, whatever they may be on financial planning and investing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, we'll include all that in the show notes. Um, but yeah, the, your, your podcast Thanks, is awesome. The first episode, Mr. Anonymous just kind of blew my mind. I was like, I've seen the name all over town and, uh, you, uh, you put a face. Oh, cool. So it was, it was Thanks, really man. cool. Like I said, your podcast is phenomenal. I'm not just blowing smoke. It's, uh, you have appreciate that this uncanny ability to, you're a great, you have a beautiful voice for this, a deep voice. Um, and, uh, just a great storyteller and have this uncanny ability to weave in, you know, some financial lessons into there and, and make it compelling and interesting. Um, I just enjoy it every week. I, I look forward to what, what's he doing now. So, um, and I think everybody would jo- enjoy that Patrick Mahomes episode. That awesome. Thanks man. Um, That's high praise. Really- Appreciate it. So, and you, you also have another podcast that you have a hand in, don't you? For all the Iowa sports fans out there. Right. Yeah. We have another podcast called the Moonlight Graham Show. I've been involved with it for years, but it's mostly my brother's podcast. It's kind of an Iowa sports podcast that celebrates the underdogs and the role player, which if you've seen the movie Field of Dreams, Moonlight Graham was the ultimate um, kind of role player cup of coffee guy. So it's been going for a few years. Um, It's had a little bit of success now, which is really cool to see. And we've had some great guests. So, um, yeah, it's another fun one. I, I should have asked you what your uh, favorite Kevin Costner sports movie is. That's a great question. Probably Bull Durham, but that's a great question. Well, okay. Yeah. It's always on the yeah, movie. It's now. a great one. So, awesome, man. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Personal Finance from the Hilltop. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like more information about me or Hilltop Financial Planning, you can visit hilltopfp.com, no dash. For links and resources mentioned in the podcast, be sure to check out the show notes. Also, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you get all the new episodes when they drop. Any five-star reviews are highly encouraged and greatly appreciated. You can find personal finance from the Hilltop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the Hilltop website, and now Amazon Music. At Hilltop, we continue to bring on new clients. So if you or someone you know are interested in discussing how we can help you find financial freedom, go to our website and click on the schedule a call in the upper right-hand corner. We offer a free 30-minute introductory call. No sales pitch, just a conversation about you, what you're looking for, and how I can help. And now... Lastly, for the dreadful, scary disclaimer. Yep, that's it. That my attorneys not on retainer want me to mention. 
Everything on this podcast is of my opinion or my guest's opinion and is not to be taken as investment advice because I'm not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as a fiduciary. This podcast is for educational purposes only. Hilltop Financial Planning, LLC, is a state-registered investment advisor in the state of Missouri that serves clients nationwide where exempt from registration. Another episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop in the books. Signing off from the Hilltop, I'm Kyle Hill.